Hello everyone and welcome back to the Charming China podcast. I'm Isabel Sum and I've created this podcast to connect the East and the West and to let inspiring entrepreneurs and business people in China tell their stories and give you tips on how to succeed in this complex market. I've been sourcing products from China myself for more than five years and live here full time for more than two years to build up our business. Today's guest is Timo, a German with Taiwanese roots. We talk about what it's like growing up as a mixed child, what Chinese people think about Germans and how status symbols like luxury cars are perceived in Chinese society versus in Germany. We also talk about the 996 work concept and electromobility in China. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Charming China podcast. I'm here today with Timo. Hello everyone. First thing, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? What are you doing here? Yes. Um, so my name is Timo Herman. I'm from Germany and uh, I've been living in China already for four years uh, and I work in the automobile industry. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, yeah, we actually met at a event that was organized by, I think, WeWork or yes. yeah or in collaboration with WeWork and then we just noticed that we already have a few things in common so first of all we're both from Germany <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and then um, we're both Half. mixed yeah we're yeah. both mixed yes. yeah they're, yeah they're not that many here exactly um, I've met another mixed um, woman the other day she's Irish no sorry Scottish and Chinese yeah. um, but from Canada so she yeah. her, even her grandparents are from Canada And she also said there there are a lot of kids who are mixed yeah. um, True. that are two to five years old, mm -hmm. but in our age range, not so many. Yes. yes. Yeah. Actually, actually, growing up for me, I, I was the only like me and my sister. We were, we were the only Asians in in school or in town. I had mm -hmm. the feeling, so it was very strange for me to come to Asia and see that there are actually more mixed people. I actually always thought I'm special, but it turn, <laughs> turns out I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you still are. You still are. Everyone's special. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So what brought you to China in the first place mm. then? Yes. Um, so I think the first touch I had with, with Asia in general was, of course, with my mom being uh, Taiwanese, that uh, we've actually spent many summers in, in going to Taiwan and visit the family and actually spending weeks there mm -hmm. so um, yeah that was I think the first touch I had with Asia but it was always for a very short period and not very frequent mm -hmm. so um, I mainly grew up in Germany yeah. Mm. yeah same and then when you so you moved to Shanghai four years mm. ago um, I actually first um, moved to Hangzhou ah, okay. um, I had my first assignment in Hangzhou um, where I was working for three years and then I came to Shanghai. So I've been working in Shanghai for one year. Mm, okay, nice. And so was it very different from what you knew before and also from Germany? Yes, um, so for me personally, uh, being half or mixed, um, I always thought growing up in Germany that I'm different, that I am actually a lot more Asian than I thought I was, <laughs> to be honest. Mm. Um, and then actually coming here, I, it turns out that, that I'm actually more German than I thought I was. Mm. So it, it really depends on the point of view and the surrounding you're in and, and then to, to see yourself, how you're behaving or uh, 
mindset you have in this situation. And, and it actually helped me also to, to not, not find myself, but actually be, be more aware um, about who I am. Mm. And, and it's always good to see both sides of the coin. Yes, definitely. I totally agree with you. What, what are the biggest like, cultural differences that you noticed? Uh, and especially also maybe in work life? So um, I think in, in general, like the, the Chinese people, they were brought up a completely different way. So the, it's a communist country. It's like they're very um, social, let's say, or they very um, look into the group and they try to fit into the group. Whereas in, in Europe or in Germany, we're actually uh, told that everyone is different. Everyone has their own opinion and everyone should state also their own opinion. And this is completely not the case here in, in China um, where they actually always try to find a consensus or if there is no consensus then you um, don't feel it right away because people don't voice it or they, they don't speak out mm -hmm. so they, they rather not say anything but then um, maybe somewhere down the road you, you find out hey, actually this person was not okay with this decision which was made um, so it's always very important also in the business context that you always talk to everyone and you and, and you get everyone's feedback actually on the topic mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, so you work for Porsche um, and it's a German company basically for anyone who doesn't know it's actually from my hometown are you also yeah. from Stuttgart no I'm from Mannheim oh Mannheim okay that's close and, and actually the beer we're just drinking is also from Mannheim oh yeah. nice good to know good to know um, so is there, do you feel like it's, so I mean, how is the team structure, for example, in China? Did, did you work for Porsche in Germany as well? No, um, actually I, um, I started my working life here in China, mm -hmm. um, but I have regular contact with the colleagues in Germany. Mm -hmm. yes. um, also, I've been on a couple of business trips. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, because I can imagine it's probably a little bit hard to incorporate this kind of German company um, philosophy or vision or values whatever or structure and then transferring it, it to China working in the Chinese team so I mean how many um, of your colleagues are foreign and how many are Chinese yeah so um, actually I work in, in sales um, so we are as an importer we are actually very close in contact with the German production um, so this is on the one side and then on the other side also very close with the dealer network because we're actually um, trying to supply the market with the right amount of cost. Um, so this requires us to handle both sides. So one on the one side, the bottom up from, from the Chinese market and then also giving this feedback back to Germany um, to align the production. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, this is also why we... I, I think compared to other departments, we have more Germans because um, we are in very close contact with Germany. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, most of the teams are very uh, local and very Chinese. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. And the, is the headquarter in China, in Shanghai? or? Yes. Oh, so okay. so um, where I'm working, Porsche um, China Limited is actually the subsidiary of Porsche AG. Mm. How is the response of the Chinese customers to the to the products? No, it's uh, it's actually very easy. Like people here in China, they they love German brands, they love German products, they love the quality, 
and and this is actually an image we have here in China, which is um, worth a lot. Mm -hmm. So it, this is the reason why we sell all these cars here. This is why we sell all the other kinds of products. Mm -hmm. And and um, yes, so so we have um, a standing and the name made in Germany actually um, has has a lot of value here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's what we hear a lot, and especially not only the products, but I feel like the uh, opinion towards German people in general is also pretty positive, usually. Yeah. Whenever we say something about, oh, we're from Germany, it's always like, wow, great, good country, and you guys are very sincere, like, it's hardworking, sincere. I think that's what people usually, um, yeah, connect us with, yeah. the attribute us with. Is there anything that, for example, you think is maybe a little bit funny or weird that, you know, happened and you think, whoa, this wouldn't happen really in Germany like that? Many things. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is this is the thing when you come to China. It's like you cannot expect that people think the same way or act the same way like back in Europe. So, um, of course, we are a little bit biased because we had some training growing up, mm. um, being a little bit more familiar with the Asian culture, but... Um, it's it's still completely different um, once you are living here uh, for long or for a longer time then you actually experience really the culture of the Chinese people and, and how it is uh, fundamentally different mm. because in the beginning um, I came here I thought okay it's like all the people are the same we're, we're all humans right but then the longer you stay the more you find the nuances and and what is different to, to your home country. And actually, it, it also helped me to realize what, what it means to be German. Mm. Because you, you are confronted with this different culture and um, you, it actually holds a mirror in front of you and shows you who you actually are because you are acting so differently than people here. Mm. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, sometimes I think small, it's even small differences. Like, for example, when I'm in the subway, and I'm just looking at my phone um, and not minding the other people around me, um, I immediately notice if it's a foreigner who is sitting next to me and not a Chinese. Yeah. And I don't really know why. I think it's because they are just more out there and they are more, uh, they, how to say that, like they are a little bit more loud, <laughs> but not really loud, but just um, a little bit less intro introverted maybe. Yeah. So um, it's really the small things um, that that we just notice. Yeah, yeah, it's actually funny. I had a, I had a very interesting experience in in Hangzhou because actually when when I was living there, they actually just opened uh, the metro system to to the public, and mm -hmm. and for us, being on the metro, being on the tram is is a very normal thing. So you know how to behave, you know how other people act, but how do you actually um, educate your population how to use the metro? Mm -hmm. this, this was a very interesting thing to see because it was during the preparation for the G20. Mm -hmm. um, and you could see a lot of banners, a lot of videos and comics. So very visual, um, a, a very visual communication marketing, how to behave on the metro and like showing do's and don'ts mm -hmm. 
that the people actually know, okay, this is how you're supposed to behave on the metro because I've never been on a metro. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, it, this is something which we've never questioned. Mm -hmm. This is something which we've never thought of. And this is very interesting to see in, in, in a country which is developing so fast. Mm -hmm. That's true. These are all like new things that are so... Um yeah, normal for us. Uh, we don't, we don't, we never, we can't remember when we learned how to use the metro mm -hmm. <laughs> because it, it was already kind of there always. Yeah. Yeah. So how is Hangzhou different from Shanghai? Mm -hmm. Is it much smaller or? Um, so when I was there, it was less international. I think mm -hmm. it gained a lot of um, attention through uh, the IPO of Alibaba and through the G20. And um, it, it is actually a very nice city. You have the, the West Lake in the middle of the city. You have the Longjing Mountains just right beside. And, and it's, it's a very scenic city compared to Shanghai. Mm -hmm. um, less international for sure. Mm -hmm. um, less business. But I, I think it, this is changing very fast. Like mm. I, I always had the feeling Hangzhou was in the shadows of Shanghai. Always the, the little brother who never got appreciated, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but but this is this is changing now. Like Hangzhou is growing very fast, and yeah, it, it's actually always very interesting to go back and mm. see how much has changed in, in this short time I've been away. But is it easier living there, or is it easier living here? Mm. Depends on what you want. Okay. And depends on what you define as easy or difficult. So mm. um, of course. When I came to China, I wanted the China experience, um, whatever this means, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely, uh, Hangzhou is way more, way more Chinese and, and way more local. I have the feeling um, than than Shanghai, mm. and you get to be more in touch with with the local people, with the local life, and you actually also have a, um, as Hangzhou is the, the the, the capital of Zhejiang region, mm -hmm. um, you have a lot of people just uh, moving to the city. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of people who haven't lived in big cities, um, which is a little bit more different than, than Shanghai. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So also from the from the foreigners or the expats you meet, uh, it's it's a completely different vibe com mm. compared to here. Because here you have in, in Shanghai you have the the big global companies with their headquarters and, and lots of expats living here. And it's already this critical mass that they can live in their own bubble, and mm. wh which is not the case in Hangzhou. Yeah, that's also one thing I always wonder, because in a way, um, if you're in a small city in China, then um, first of all, there are not so many foreigners. Um, and the Chinese people are usually also not like so internationally oriented. So most likely still your friend circle as an expert will be other experts. But then again, in a bigger city, you have more experts. So you could have a bigger friend circle. But also I feel like the Chinese who live in bigger cities, they are more, you know, you, you can c connect to them a little bit yes, better. They are super international. They are, a lot of them are foreign educated, mm. um, came back to work um, mm. here in, in Shanghai. And, and they they have a completely different mindset about the world and about um, yeah China and, and compared to let's say for me, for me in my case uh, compared to the people in Hangzhou yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that's true even when I was living in Changde we had a, a small but high quality <laughs> retinee um, 
you know a, a circle or association and um yeah for them i think it's also quite interesting to come back to their small hometown because if they're if they're if as a chinese person if you're already from shanghai then leave and then come back it's all a little bit more on the same level i guess but for changu people it was i think yeah quite an experience quite a difference mm. yeah mm. so were you, uh, were you being looked at in changu Yes, all the time. Taking so, pictures with yes, you. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's a thing that's really for foreigners who are coming to China to smaller cities. You're really kind of an attraction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even me. I. That's also so funny because I think Germans can't really um, understand that if they look at me. Um, because for them, I was always, you know, the Asian, the Chinese girl, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, I'm the foreigner. So people... I, I always made jokes about, for example, if there was a TV station coming to interview us um, and I, they asked me if I could be in the, in, the, in the shots and then I always said, like, if you want to, I can, but I don't know if I'm foreign enough. But for them, that's totally fine. Yeah. But it was, it, was, it was doable still. I mean, at some point, sometimes it was kind of uh, a little bit annoying, but yeah. Yeah. also there are not so many people. So. Yeah. But, but I think now in the big cities, this is not the case anymore. Not like, at all. Pe- people don't take pictures with you because you're Western or white mm. or different looking. Yeah. yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. I think it's really just a kind of uh, process. The more you're exposed to something, it, I mean, it's not that the people in Changde are different, but because if there was, if there were more and more, if they've seen a foreigner for the millionth time, then they wouldn't ask for a picture, yes. obviously. Yeah, so so how's your Chinese? Is it my my Chinese is actually okay. Um, okay. So, actually, growing up, I was always thinking, okay, what what shall I do with my life? Where 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 should my life take me? What I did, of course, after high school, I took a gap year, mm. just <laughs> <laughs> just to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to Taiwan just for one year to learn Chinese. Um, oh. Because actually, growing up in Germany, you know it as well. There are not that many chances to to speak Chinese to learn Chinese. So. You don't have that much, that much exposure, and my Chinese was also not good mm. at all. <laughs> um, so I I picked it up, um, staying in Taiwan for one year. Um, they, they actually had special classes just for ABCs like us, or like foreign, like uh, like Asians who who live abroad. Wow. Okay. Um, so who already had some exposure to the to the language, and it was easy for us to. So we, cool. we were basically learning reading and writing yeah. um, because we knew how to speak and we knew how to use these words. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a fast track. Mm-hmm. Um, and then afterwards I decided, okay, this is kind of my USP. Um, connecting both world, worlds, I, I think you, you mm. agree with me on this. So um, yeah, then, then, I, then I studied East Asian management mm-hmm. um, and it, it took me here to China. <laughs> mm, nice yeah but it, it, it's kind of logical it makes sense it would have been weird if it took you to <laughs> latin america or something yeah it, I, uh, I think it, it's still something special although you meet here so many people who are who actually have the same the same features and the same same traits but um it, i think it's still unique that uh, people can speak chinese and german and they are actually needed here to, to help to communicate across the cultures and, and across the countries. Mm-hmm. 
because um, there, there's still a lot of misunderstanding. Like mm. not, not on purpose, but um, it's, it just happens when, when you have completely different backgrounds and you're saying something, which probably in your country means one thing and in the other country means another thing. One thing I found the most kind of surprising or confusing, or I wonder if that creates a lot of misunderstandings, is that the Chinese word for question is kind of the same word as problem <laughs> yeah do you know true, what i mean so true. i always wonder if that's why maybe they don't want to ask anything because for example in english if i would ask into a group of people does anyone have any other questions it's completely neutral yeah it could be a good question a stupid question it could be any question yeah. and uh, you, you won't be judged if you ask a question but if it if it had the same meaning as problem then i would think twice if i want this to is, this is so true i've, I've never thought about this but, but it, 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 now actually it all makes sense. <laughs> now it all makes sense. Yeah, I really always, I just always wondered if that has yeah. any impact. Yeah, but it just shows the cultural context that, mm. that if, if you raise a question, it, it means problems for, for yeah. the group. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you don't want to be the one. So you rather keep it to yourself. And, yes. But in, in the Western culture, I feel like we used to, we used to, like shining a light on everything in detail and if there's anything uh, that's not going according to plan we want to figure it out as soon as possible yeah. but for china i'm and not so sure if, if that's always the same workflow yes and and all like germans love to plan beforehand they love security um and this this is just not happening here because mm. it's so many pieces of the puzzle are changing and it's it's always very dy dynamic which you have to adjust to mm -hmm. and, and like for for germans coming here this is i wouldn't say a nightmare but um it's it's not as it's never going as planned mm. yeah yeah that's really something for the listeners if you come to china it's there's always going to be something that wasn't planned yeah yeah but but in the end it always turns out okay somehow mm -hmm. and we never know why yeah, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, but that's good. That's a good uh, and optimistic approach to to doing things, you have getting to, tested. Right? Yeah, exactly. One other thing that is quite, uh, let's say, how to say, common knowledge is that um, nowadays Chinese people work quite long hours. So you have the, I think it's nine nine six. So from nine a.m. to nine p.m. six days a week. And I feel like it's also that people have to be always available, uh, even, for example, in their private time or non-working times through WeChat yeah. or other other medias. Do you feel that's true? I, I really think it depends on the industry. Mm -hmm. So I, I've heard this 996 from, from a lot of tech startups or um, digital industry. To be honest, automotive is very traditional. It's, it's a little bit more predictable than the new industries. Mm -hmm. So um, we, we see actually it's it, for the automobile industry that it's not like this. Mm -hmm. But um, you see also a shift in the generations. So I think this hardworking mentality and, and earning money to save up, um, I think this is still something from the older generation. I think the new generation, especially here in Shanghai, Mm -hmm. um, they they are 
looking for more. Like it, we have the same thing. Like we are looking for purpose. We we look for the the meaning of work, and and we want to be fulfilled in what we're doing. So um, this also comes here in China. So it's it's not like you're coming to China and you're escaping all this. Mm -hmm. um, but this is also happening here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you you don't feel burned out yet. <laughs> you feel like you can manage to kind of do both, have a balanced life and a successful career. I, I don't think any person here in Shanghai has a balanced life. This <laughs> is, uh, and to be honest, this is also not the kind of person who comes to Shanghai, mm. from, from my experience. Mm -hmm. um, so all the people I've met here, they are very hardworking, they, they have a goal, they pursue it, um, and they're very persistent. And I would say people who don't have these characteristics, they also wouldn't come to Shanghai. Mm. Yeah, they would probably rather choose something like Hangzhou, maybe, yeah. or yeah, or they or they wouldn't come to Shanghai uh, or to China at all. Yeah, I guess it's really not a laid back, chilled out country for holiday type of work. So I guess it's more if you, if you'd want to have a beach life, then you would rather go to yeah maybe yes. Thailand yes. or something like that. No, but yeah. but to be honest, um, on the other hand, it gives you also a lot of opportunities because you're you're gathering a lot of talented people in a small place, um, and also if if you have qualities, then then it also shines out, and you are actually in like developing together with the market. So this is, I think, one of the the key takeaways for me, and also I think one of the reasons why I came here, is because. The, the Chinese market is still growing and, and you have actually the opportunity to grow with the market. Mm. Like everyone in China has not experienced this, mm. this kind of growth and what happens next. Mm. Um, maybe in, in the Western world, we've, we are actually at a very mature stage. So growing into the market is, is a completely different experience because you always have someone who knows it better than you. You always have someone... Um, That's done it before. Who's that's done it before. that's done yeah. it before. Yes, you're not reinventing the wheel. Mm. Um, you're also not doing it here in China, but at least in the automobile industry. <laughs> um, but um, what I wanted to say is, you actually have the opportunity to develop together with the market. Mm. So you you are at the front when when development happens, and you actually also have the opportunity with your skills to actually um, push it further. So it, it's a completely different way of developing yourself. Yeah, I see what you mean. For for Porsche, uh, is it still a growing market? Yes, actually, uh, China is the largest growing market for, oh. for Porsche worldwide. Mm. And also planning to grow further because um, people are getting richer in China. And um, still they are very focused on status symbols. Um, so it's not only the, the bags and the shoes, but also the cars. Mm. And, and people have actually developed from the, let's say Volkswagen, Audi, Mercedes and BMW, and now going the next step to a, to a Porsche. Mm. So um, to show everyone that they've made it, that they've developed and that they've earned more money. Mm. Um, and it's, it's still very, yeah, very status symbol like mm -hmm. uh, like in china you call it mianzi right mm. so you're always giving yourself face with this to okay to have 
or own something which everyone can recognize has, has a certain value. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, is, is there any thought put into, for example, the electric car segment? Um, you know, for example, if I'm a rich Chinese person, Porsche, of course, is a big uh, status symbol, but I've also seen, for example, a lot of Teslas around. Mm-hmm. Is there anything uh, you would yeah, consider, maybe? Yes, so, so electromobility actually in China is, is something which I think the government is doing very smart because they know with the internal combustion engines they, they, cannot, um, they cannot actually keep up to, to the Western world who have done it for hundreds of years and, and who are good at what they're doing and, and it's hard actually to, to replicate this. So basically what they're doing is leapfrogging and going full on uh, to electromobility where they know uh, that uh, the established automakers are not as fast. Also, uh, the government is helping with, with uh, policies and restrictions and subsidies. So why you're seeing so many Teslas here is, uh, for example, that you get a free license plate. Um, oh. So maybe for the listeners who don't know this, in you have to pay for a license plate in big cities. Mm. Um, in some cities, you don't even get one because you have to take part in a lottery. Mm. And then you have to pay. And it's, uh, I think in Shanghai, it's up to 10,000 euros, mm. which is a small car already. So, so incentivizing people to go for electric vehicles is, is yeah, pushing the demand for, for these cars. In, and you can see it also in the, in the public transportation sector. Um, Shenzhen bus fleet is completely electro. Yeah. Um, Shanghai is also now switching all their buses to electric cars. Mm. So uh, in this regard, they are way faster than, than Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. Not only buses, but even uh, cabs, taxis in Shenzhen. And it's uh, quite funny because the blue taxis are um, electric and then we have the red taxis which are old and um, for the red taxis you have to pay an extra additional fee mm-hmm. so everybody always tries to avoid yes. them yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no but but it's it's very interesting because it comes out of uh, a necessity that they had to clean up the air because through the last 20-25 years there, there was so much pollution now that they that now people get a little bit more wealthier, that they start caring about their health and about especially pollution because it's so visual, right? It's like when you have a bad day, you, you see it. Yeah, and it's literally is, in your this face. Is, this, this is nothing you can hide. You, you feel it in your lungs um, and, and you feel it on your skin. So this is uh, something the, the government also tackled very, very fast. Mm. Um, but yes, of course, this is this is something which every industrial nation has. Like in, I remember in Germany, they we also had some some news that okay, these rivers are clean again. Mm. In in these lakes, you can swim again. So this it also took took uh, the Western countries a long time to clean it up. Yeah, and I think China has learned from this and is very pushing towards. Um, new energy and, and uh, especially within the cities hmm. yeah and I feel like uh, China is really also pushing out of being the workbench of the world I think they really don't want to 
um, be seen as that anymore or they don't want to even you know do it anymore because um, it's not <laughs> where the future lies yeah. yeah but but this is how every every developing country evolves right uh, so the Germans they copied the British Japanese copied the Europe's Europeans and and China is copying the world that's what people I think still think like wh when I go back to Germany I still have friends who ask me these questions mm. um, but this is not the case anymore so it, they they took it and they made it better mm. and, and they saw where there's opportunity to to become the world leader and, and I think they are very pushing towards this so um, now I always when friends come over I show them Alipay and they're so amazed how, how all this can work if you don't have data security <laughs> but but it's amazing what you can do with it yeah. like I, I, I didn't use my wallet for the last two years I think yeah and uh, I just go out with my phone and I feel okay with it going back to Germany I always have to remind myself like take some money take some money <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so true. Um, the other day when I went to Hong Kong, weirdly enough, Shenzhen is super close to Hong Kong. It's a 15-minute subway ride, basically. Um, but I've never been so far. Uh, I mean, I've been to Hong Kong before, but not since I've lived in Shenzhen. And then I went and I had noticed that I wasn't prepared. So I didn't even take a power bank or anything because in China, what we have is um, all these companies who have power bank stations or portals yep. uh, so basically they will put these uh, little like boxes with a lot of power banks in different kinds of venues such as restaurants convenience stores hotels and um, you can just use them with an app usually the app is integrated in wechat and then whenever you run low on battery on your phone you can just scan the qr code on one of these boxes that that is around you and you can get a power bank and be okay good to go and I didn't bring mine to Hong Kong and then I noticed oh no I can't uh, even you know charge my phone yeah, uh, yeah, so. yeah but, it, but it's crazy it's like they've, they've bundled everything into your into your phone into the app like I, I pay my electricity and my gas bills over Alipay mm. um, if I go on the on the subway I can use a QR code mm. so um, it, it, everything is so convenient now and, like from a consumer perspective and I don't have to think about anything and can focus on hopefully something more productive. It, it's just amazing to see and also going back to Germany to, to see how, not, not backward it is, but how things are changing very slowly and how people are towards uh, new technologies or how they accept new technology. Here in China, it's like, yeah, sure, let's try it out. Mm. And, and in Germany, uh, you always get asked very, strange questions like what will they do with with my data and what if they can track my location mm. um, which they do anyways um, <laughs> surprise yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I think it's because here the um, mindset towards technology is basically whoa it brought us to where we are now which is much better than before yeah. and in Germany it's like we're already doing pretty good do we really need this they, I think they, the, um, yeah, the, the mindset is just a little bit more um, skeptical because they didn't have all the advantages, you know, they, they were already doing good. Yeah. So. yeah, and here it's like this mentality, if my neighbor can do it, I can also do it. 
So, so it actually motivates the people to see people driving, in our case, people driving Porsche around the street. It's like, I don't know how many luxury cars you've seen here, but I've, I've seen here cars I've never seen in Germany before. Like mm. McLarens, Rolls-Royce, that's, that's normal. I've even seen a Königsegg. If you don't know what it is, look it up. <laughs> yeah, um, I need to do that. <laughs> I don't um, but, but this is, like, oh, of course, people showing off. But it, other people, they don't take it as an offense. Um, they, they take it more as a motivation that, okay, if I work hard, I can also afford this. Mm. Like in, in, in Germany, I have the feeling people who drive a, an expensive car, they, they always have to fear... Of criticism. Um, yeah, of criticism, being looked at, or like they, they even hide what kind of engine their car is. Mm. So nobody knows that they bought the, the powerful engine. Mm. And but but here it's the, the more you show off the better, mm. but it's it's socially accepted. On the other hand, I, I think it's also so big that some people in China are just the, this is one group of Chinese people. But on the other hand, do you know this type of Chinese um, person who's super humble? I th feel like that's also something that's sometimes even the other extreme. Yeah, like uh, usually this kind of like a little bit maybe. Uh, Buddhistically motivated or something, but um, yeah, there's definitely yeah more more of that in the general population. Yeah, yeah you have one billion people here, so yeah, <laughs> it's all different yeah. kinds of people. They they maybe all look the same. No offense, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what I've noticed no, they, they're lately? All, they're all Han yeah. Chinese, right? So yeah, so they're all one ethnicity. So yeah. we're allowed to say that. <laughs> I've noticed that I've lost my eye for foreigners. So sometimes I, I feel like maybe I cannot differentiate foreigners that well anymore. And But neither can I differentiate Chinese. Maybe I've just lost all of my... Yes. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's all about exposure, as you said. Um, I think the more you're exposed to different cultures or more exposed to Chinese people, the, the better you can tell if someone is from the south or from the mm. north or from the yeah. west. Um, it, it just takes time. That's true. Um, okay, so are there any tips you would give someone who's never been to China who wants to come here to work? Um, oh, that, that's a tough one. So uh, <laughs> tips I can give is be, be prepared. Um, <laughs> um, know what you're getting yourself into. Um, I, I think, okay, Shanghai, I think, is, is a safe haven for foreigners because it's that easy to to get along and to get all the groceries, you have everything you need here in the city. But uh, if you're doing a step like, like you, Isa, then you better know what you're doing. Mm. Like, uh, this, this is not something which will turn out fine. It's, it's something you have to actually prepare yourself for and, and know what you're doing and plan it out before you're actually going. Mm. And, um, but then I think also the, the job market here in China is, is changing. So what, what the government, of course, is trying to do is to give more positions to the Chinese graduates. I, I just read, a, read an article that in 2017, I think there were 7 million graduates getting out of universities and trying to find jobs. So, mm -hmm. um, so these people, they need jobs. And of course, the Chinese government is trying to keep foreigners out so that their own people can take these spots. I think don't don't do it for for the money. Do it for the experience. 
Mm. This, this I think is is the most important thing. Otherwise, you you will not be happy there. Mm. Um, if if you cannot appreciate new experiences, if you if you're not willing to to get yourself into new stuff and sometimes don't know the outcome of it, <laughs> mm. then um, then I I wouldn't recommend it. Mm. But overall, like it's an adventure. Yeah, I feel the same way. And now I'm really comfortable here. All people always ask me, when will you come back? Are you planning to move back to Germany? So far, I don't know. Mm, but I think this is a general expat um, kind of problem or situation. It's not only for China. It's wherever you move to work, people always wonder, will you stay there? Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, I think Shanghai is really... For me, it's not almost not even China, to be honest. Especially after a Hunan experience. Yes. Um, yeah, I always say for fun, people who've stayed here in Shanghai for five years, um, it's it's counted as five years, but for, for you staying in Changde for one year, I think it, you have to count it in dog years. <laughs> I think it's, it's seven years China experience. Yes, <laughs> nice. <laughs> be because it, it actually makes a difference. Yeah. People who've, who've stayed in other places than in the, in the big cities. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. So yeah, for me it was super easy to move to Shenzhen. That was not a not a big challenge. My last question usually is always, what do you think is the most charming thing about China? The most charming thing. Yeah. Ah, this is so, this is so hard to 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 answer this one. Actually, there there are a lot of nice things about China. So um, like if if you start traveling the country. Um, there, there are actually so many diverse places you can go to to the desert you can go to the jungle you can go like to to the ice um, so, so actually China can offer you everything um, landscape wise um, but also the people are, are very different so you have also a lot of minorities um, you have um, yeah very heartwarming people mm. that, that I think is, is also very very um, how do you say this nice or interesting to, mm. to experience especially when you're not in the big cities but going out to to um, like suburbs or to smaller villages uh, the, the people are very warm-hearted mm. so yeah and and of course the food mm. the food is so diverse here it's like the, the kung pao chicken you know from from your chinese restaurant is not the only thing they have here actually they don't really mm. have it i think yeah they, i think they it's don't. a kind of a western chinese yeah. meal yeah. creation the, the same with the the glucks cakes with the oh fortune cookies the fortune cookies yeah, yeah. They, I, i've never had a fortune cookie here in china no i think they were <laughs> invented in the u.s yeah yeah yeah, that's true. There's a lot of different types of foods and they are all super different. I had one um, Chinese friend visit me in Hunan. He's from the north of China, so Beijing area. And I asked him, can you, can you eat spicy food? And he was like, yeah, sure. I eat spicy food every day. And I was like, okay. And then we ordered <laughs> spicy Changde food, uh, which I love now. I've, I've learned to adapt to it. And, I've already so I yeah. can accept it, but um, he couldn't. He couldn't handle it. <laughs> it was way too spicy for him. So I think uh, that's interesting, not only for foreigners but also for other Chinese people living in China. Try food from other provinces. Yeah, maybe you'll love it. 
maybe it will hurt you. <laughs> so. But definitely give it a try. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Nice. So, um, yeah, Timon, thank you so much for being on the show. I think we learned a lot and yeah. the summary is maybe come to China if you want to get a new experience and learn something about yourself and about a different culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. <laughs>